Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. And also, HVAC companies, just because someone has an HVAC company does not mean they size units right. It doesn't mean that, I mean, we see it all the time. You get oversized HVAC units. So they don't know enough about indoor air quality. So not all HVAC contractors are equal. And you really need to research these people. It's Around the House. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know. But we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B, where we help you with that home improvement construction project, or even healthy home, every single weekend. Thanks for joining us. I got Caroline B sitting here in the studio next to me. Welcome back, Caroline. Hey, hey. Just recovering from my weekend of sticks. Oh, you I'm still got dreaming it. about sticks. So jealous. So jealous. Well, this hour, I really wanted to dive into a subject that's been a very hotly requested one. People want to know how to create the proper budget and where are they blowing money on a DIY project? And it can be so tough for people that dive into a project, right? And you're like, oh, I'm going to do this. And halfway through, you're like, I thought this was going to cost X. And how come we've doubled that already? Yeah, right? no. And there's a lot of there's a lot of tricks um, that Eric and I know from being in the industry for so long. And one of the big tricks is that when you're buying product, it is very tempting to go online and purchase, right? You see it, you see a price point on Amazon, you see something from an independent real retailer and you'll say, you know, dehumidifiers, I'll just use as an example. When you buy from someone who's not an authorized retailer, you may not get your warranty. So you have to be really cautious about what you're buying and then also is there going to be a warranty with that and who's going to service that if you have a problem because a lot of these online retailers if you buy from them your warranty is null and void especially in an installation situation it's horrible and then here's the other problem with with some of the online online retailers literally i could walk into a home depot and Lowe's store for instance okay i walk in and go buy let's say i'm going to buy a kohler faucet okay so i go in there and buy a kohler kitchen faucet I can come back to my house, not even unbox that thing. I can send it DHL over to a company overseas and I can log onto a website and make this happen. And I can order a knockoff of that product and I can have two pallets at my door 45 to 60 days later. And it will look exactly like that product, except it's not exactly like that product. It's a knockoff. You know, it's like cheap coach purses or anything else out there where they're the knockoff stuff. The problem is, is then you buy it online going, man, I just saved 75% off on this faucet. I got a deal. Well, then six months later, after your contractor, your plumber, everybody's left the site. You're going, this thing's a piece of junk. It's leaking like a sieve. And then you order from 
let's say it's Kohler replacement parts. You're like, why don't these parts fit? Yeah, that's a mess. What a mess. This happens every day. If you go talk to any plumbing, you know, retailer that is a, like your the place the plumbers go to buy their stuff and they'll go, oh my gosh, every single day they have somebody coming in buying, trying to buy replacement parts for a shower system that they bought online that was a hundred percent knockoff. And now the replacement parts don't fit. And now that person has to start over and reinstall the right products in there. Yeah. And that's going to cost you double the money because you're going to have to get the plumber. You're going to have to get new hardware or, you know, whatever type of faucet or, or anything you have in your bathroom. Also, when you do that, you know, a lot of these things go bunk, you know, whether you buy a really good name brand faucet or shower head, mm-hmm. eventually you've got gaskets in there that, you know, run out and you need to get replacements for them. So you don't, you want to make sure you're getting it from the company and that they're going to be able to supply that to you. I mean, sometimes years down the road, I mean, I've had my faucet in my shower for, I don't even know, 10 years, right? Yeah, so yeah. I've had to replace the guts, the interior parts. You've got little washers and cassettes and yep, all yep. kinds of cartridges in there that need to be replaced. So it's not just the fixture itself. There's idiosyncrasies and parts in there that need to be changed every once in a while. So we go with one of the name brands. That is one of the biggest mistakes. Now there are some decent online retailers out there uh, and just make sure that you're buying one and you're buying it through a place that is authorized. I be honest, I don't usually buy my stuff through the online wholesalers out there. I go down to my local electrical plumbing store or whatever, because I can look them in the eye and I know what I got. And I got a uh, a receipt that I can go back and get parts for. And for you DIY people, it is really helpful to get familiar with your local plumbing and electrical supply place because they really do have a lot of the tips when you're having a problem, they'll help you out and they'll say, hey, you got to try this. I mean, it could be something as simple as a dryer vent. I mean, I had some issues where I needed a 12, you know, Eric, the dryer vent, the, the sl- I call them the slinkies. Yeah, yeah. I needed 12 feet and I couldn't, every, every Home Depot, Lowe's were only carrying the eight feet yep, yep. Um, hose. So and it wouldn't fit. And for some reason, I guess I had no problem. This happened when we the the basement was flooding. Right. So when we had to go down there, there was a dryer. So I had to replace it and I couldn't find it. So I went to the plumbing supply store and they actually came up with a solution. They're like, look, you're going to have to connect with hard pipe, use it in the middle, connect to soft, um, you know, dryer vents on the side. So they'll give you that information. So really become familiar with your plumbing store and electrical supply place. Exactly. You know, when I was, I used to work for a hardware store that they got sold out and Lowe's bought them, but it was called here in the, on the West coast, they were Eagle hardware and garden. And I used to love that place working there because they hired electricians that were retired in the electrical department. You had licensed plumbers that worked in the plumbing department that were retired. You had, you know, in the door and millwork section, you had a, a union finished carpenter in there. And that was just in my little store. And it was awesome. We had a locksmith in house. Of course, that chain is no longer around. They got absorbed by Lowe's, but it was such a cool place. It was like the best of both worlds. You got that local retail wholesale company experience, but in a home center. And uh, it was really cool how they used to do that. And I wish there was a company out there nationally that still did that. No shade thrown on Lowe's or Home Depot, but many times they just don't have the training in a lot of those stores. You'll find those good people but they're a little harder to find sometimes. And also when you need things that are a little bit more intricate, right? You may, like, like I said, when I had to build a dryer vent, they only had an eight foot hose. I mean, they didn't have the product. So Mm -hmm. I had to go down to my local plumbing supply, but there, I, I, 
I mean, I typically, when I'm going to do a project, I'm going to the plumbing store and I'm going to electrical store. Those are two places I frequent. Now, my other big tip that's kind of at the top shelf here, besides not buying something and saving 10% online or 20% online and it costing you, if you're lucky, twice as much later, it could be even more. One of my other big tips is do not use home and garden TV or DIY network to gauge the expense of your project. Why is that? Well, well, here's the thing. If you're watching one of the shows and it could be, I'm not even going to go out and, and hammer on a show, but most of the shows out there, they'll go, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to flip this house and we're going to spend $40,000 and we're going to remodel this entire house. And people go, oh, I'm going to do the same thing. So I'm going to spend $40,000. The problem is that they don't realize is that if you see a product name in this show, so if you see that name in the show itself, and maybe it's craft made for cabinetry or it's LG or, or, you know, any one of the different brands, not only were the products usually for free in that show that didn't come out of the budget, they also paid to be in the show. So if you see a, a, a guy with a Caesar stone shirt installing countertops in there, that didn't come out of the budget. So there's all these products that show up on the job site that wasn't part of that budget. So they say, we're going to do it for under $40,000, but you could have $80,000 in material sitting there and another $80,000 in professional labor that's not part of the show. So it can be really deceiving on what that product actually cost. Now, there's a few of them out there that try to do a better job of it, uh, I'm not a huge fan of Mike Holmes, but he does do that on many of his shows. If you watch where he tries to break it down and give you some sort of an estimate, but you also have to remind yourself those are Canadian numbers and following Canadian building code. So if you're in the, the house and you're in the United States, guess what? Those numbers might not re be reality for what you're trying to do your project. And it also depends on what area of the country you're in. So if you're in New York versus being maybe in Alabama, it's going to cost you a lot more money just based on labor alone, right? So no, question. no that's a really good tip because I think people look at these projects and you really are trying to ascertain what is this legitimately going to cost me? How am I going to put the money aside? Because when you're doing a kitchen, you know it's something you have to allocate for. I always tell my clients when I'm doing mold testing, Say I test, I test houses and I'll say, okay, you've got a mold problem starting here. It may not be something you have to really address immediately from a mm -hmm. toxic standpoint, but I can tell the age of the, the kitchen or the bathroom and how much mold they have and that they're going to need a remodel coming up. So I say, okay, look, your kitchen's in need of remodel. You've got some mold happening. Start budgeting this now because this could be a forty dollars to $50,000, $60,000, $80,000 project. Yeah. And you need to have the money allocated for before we go to break, one of my great sources that I use for this stuff to give you an idea of what it might cost in your area is Remodeling Magazine every year does their cost versus value report. So you can actually put in your city, find a metropolitan area that you're close to, and they actually put this report out and it has in there what that remodel average costs and it spells out what the materials are in that remodel. So it'll say a, a, a mid-range kitchen is $68,000. It'll say, well, an upscale one is $140,000. So they will give you an idea. So no matter if you're buying it through a contractor or you're going to take it as a DIY project, that gives you a guideline to start paying attention to. And we come back, let's talk about what the difference is between a 
a contractor project versus you doing it yourself and what those two costs could be. Let's do that just as soon as Around the House returns. What's up? This is Dick Hand Satchel from Steel Panther, and you are listening to Around the House with Eric G. Yeah. We love Eric G, and you should too. Around the House with Eric G. and Caroline B., where we talk home improvement and a lot of other fun stuff every single weekend. Thanks for joining us. Caroline and I are just sitting here talking about how we can try to save you money or at least anticipate it in that remodeling project you're working on. Yeah. And there's and we were talking going out of the break. Um, you know, you may think you're just going to replace your cabinets and then your countertops and just do a refresh. And then Eric brought up a really good point that may not be as simple as you think. So if you're just going to replace some utility, some of your appliances, um, there may be some electrical issues. So I'll let you take that away with what, what we think could happen potentially could cost you money. Yeah. If you've got that like 1970s house or even 1980s house, depending on when it was built, usually when you jump into a kitchen remodel, you have to put in new circuits for everything because everything in your house there in that kitchen requires really its own dedicated circuit. What do I mean by that? If you have a dishwasher, many times that Mm -hmm. like dishwasher, maybe some outlets and the garbage disposal are on their own breaker, right? So when you go turn it off the breaker panel, that turns off two or three things. Everything goes off, right? right? You turn off a whole room. You're like, wait, there it went. (laughs) Well, the problem is, is that's not current code. So like, for instance, your outlets, are going to be on their own circuit with a GFCI or an arc fault breaker, depending on what's going on there in your local building code. Many times in an older house, that's on the same, those outlets are in the same circuit as the lights. If you kick it off or close the breaker, everything dies in the kitchen. So those have to be separated. So you, so your, so your oven has to be on its own breaker. Yeah. So every appliance has to have its own breaker. So Mm -hmm. your refrigerator, your microwave, your garbage disposal, your dishwasher, your range hood, (laughs) your outlets, your lights. You can see where this goes. You can add three or four different circuits to that. And on top of that, there's a lot of new ranges or ovens, built-in ovens. Let's say you're just going to remove and replace a double oven. If you go grab like one of the Miele ones, which I really like, and go to put it in there, if you've got that 1970s house, you've got three wires that are coming in for that electrical service into that appliance. Mm -hmm. Well, they require the fourth one. So now you're bringing another neutral in for that appliance. Well, and then that means you have to add a supplemental breaker box because a lot of people don't have room. So if you have an old house, you're going to have to put another breaker box in a garage or a location close to that. So now you're running another line and that's going to cost you a pretty penny. So, yeah, I mean, like for my panel here in my house, when I did that, that was a $5,000 panel upgrade because I had an old one to have them come in. We had to move the panel because, again, this is where those things compound, right? So I I had Mm -hmm. this old split main electrical panel in the house. It was from 1977. 
And I'm like, all right, we're going to upgrade that. Cool. We're going to put the new one in. That's a fire hazard. It already had signs of it overheating. So I wanted Mm. to get that done early. Well, then we opened that can of worms like you do with a remodeling project, right? So (laughs) they're like, oh, by the way, yeah, we're that, um, we're going to hook it up to the, oh, well, yeah, new code says that that line that goes to to the power pole can't go there. It has to be within like four feet of the front corner of the house or whatever towards the pole. So I had to move that like 30 feet to get that up to code. So all of a sudden, it's almost like putting new service into my house just off of meeting current code. And it was this, this big, you know, big project to get that done. Big deal. And you have to do it. I mean, you're stuck, right? So now all of this $10,000 that you were going to put towards your kitchen cabinetry has now gone to electric and you haven't even gotten started yet. Absolutely. So that's what, one of those tricks you got to be really careful with just in coming up with that stuff. So some other gotchas that I want you to pay attention to and, Caroline, this is something that you're super aware of is that these days there's a couple of things you got to be careful with, with old houses. You've got to watch out for your lead paint. You got to watch out for your asbestos because it is in a ton of products that were used. I mean, in my area here in Portland, Oregon, if I bring materials to the landfill, right, that came out of my house, mm-hmm. I have to have asbestos testing. If my house was built before 2004, I have to have on-site testing by a certified asbestos professional that came into my house and took the, uh, a test of the drywall or whatever I'm taking to the landfill to drop off. I have to have that tested before I drop it off and take the paperwork with me. Otherwise, they're not going to take it. And a lot of times, too, you'll buy a house, for example, like say you just purchased a house and you really don't know much about it, you'll go to rip up carpet and you'll find like the old nine by nine asbestos tiles underneath the carpet or they'll have layers. Like people love to layer things. So you'll have maybe a pergo floor on top of that carpet. And then as you start to take these down, you get to an asbestos floor, Um, especially if the house was built in, you know, 1960s, you'll see a lot of it, 50s, 60s and 70s. And then that's going to cost you a pretty penny to take it out. So absolutely. There's all these hidden caveats and, and and things that happen when you're trying to do these these projects for sure. One way to save yourself some money early on in the project, if you're doing a major remodel around your house, is to have one of those asbestos testing companies come out and take samples of all the things that you're going to be removing all at once. So that way they can do that asbestos survey and tell you exactly what you got going on. So you can sit there and go, all right, here's the plan. This is what we're doing. And that way you've got that report. So when you get rid of it, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, no, that's a really good idea. And then also, I know it's hard to get these plumbers and electricians to come out because they usually want to do work when they come out and they don't want to just assess something. But I think it makes sense to have somebody, especially electrician, come out prior to the project and say, hey, you're looking at you're going to need a new box. You're going to need an additional box. You're going to need more circuit breakers. I don't know, maybe you've got, you know, you want to put in some hi-hat lights, you know, whatever it is you're going to be doing, just find out what that's going to cost you. Because, I mean, I'm guilty of that too, Eric, right? I always think about the electrical on the back end. I get everything gutted and ripped out. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I got to bring the electrician in because the the contractor's like, all right, it's time for the electrician. But that is really not the right way to do it. So I'm trying to save people some of my aggravation. Yeah, when we come back, let's talk about that. What's the best way to keep that thing online and on budget? And of course, on time. We'll do that just as soon as Around the House returns. We 
Hey, it's Eric G with Around the House. Are you looking to grow your business? Need a spokesperson for your company? Maybe an MC for an upcoming trade show? Or maybe you want to up your game and shoot some promotional videos? My team of experts would love to chat with you. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com and fill out the contact us form, and we'll set something up. Thanks for listening to Around the House. What's up? This is Stick and Satchel from Steel Panther, and you are listening to Around the House with Eric G. Yeah. We love Eric G, and you should too. Welcome back to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B, where today we're trying to save you money mm-hmm. on that DIY or construction project. Diving into some of these details, Carolyn and I are going to see if we can give you a hand because, Carolyn, you know this too. This is one of those things that if you don't do this right, it can go sideways and your budget gets blown out of the water. Yeah, right? and you're relying a lot. Like So a lot of the time people say, well, I've got a great general contractor. My GC is going to take care of everything. I don't need to be a, you know, pay attention to anything that's going on. And then all of a sudden you get this whopper of a bill because you left everything in his, in his care, which people do all the time. But you have to realize that each individual person that's coming in under that GC, whether it's your electrician, your plumber, maybe of a window installer, whoever it is, they're going to have a separate bill and they're going to be incorporating that to the GC and the GC is going to mark it up. So you need to know what's going on. I mean, you can't just assume unless you have unlimited funds and you really just don't care, which most of us, we do care. I mean, even if you do have money, you you want to make sure it's being spent wisely. So, yeah. I've done projects for people that were in the top shelf of Microsoft and they had millions of dollars and they still Mm -hmm. had a budget, right? So there's really not a budgetless project out there that's unless it's something really strange that just doesn't happen like you see in the movies or or even on television but i wanted to talk here in this segment about something that's very important and it's the it's the process of the project right it's what a designer and a contractor does to do this project right and to keep it on track which means on schedule and on budget mm-hmm. right so if you think about it when a contractor comes in Versus you as a homeowner, you should be following that same process to get your your budget under control. And how do you do that? Well, it already comes out with a good plan. You need to have a very defined plan of what you're going to be doing, whether or not you're doing this plan by yourself or you've hired a designer or an architect or whatever your project is. With If you're starting without a plan, this is already going to be more expensive than what you think it's going to be. Yeah, no, that's a really good tip because I think a lot of my customers too, they're one, they don't have the knowledge, right? And that's what we're here to provide. You don't, you're not doing this unbeknownst to you. You just don't have the knowledge to be able to make some of these decisions, but, and you just go into mm-hmm. it. Like I want to replace my whole kitchen. Okay. But you don't know what's involved yeah. and that's how it starts racking up. So I think making yourself a little bit educated and going on some sites and kind of, and listening to shows like this, is very important so that you kind of get an idea of, you know, are you being taken? Is somebody charging you too much? Um, you know, what kind of cabinets is something even in your budget? You may want to put in a type of countertop. It's just not your budget. You can't do it. You granted may be too expensive. Yeah. You just can't do it. So I think exactly. educating yourself, I know people don't want to, but you need to, you can't just go into it blindly. You're going to end up with a huge bill and then a lot of headache as well. 
Yeah. So the process really goes, okay, you want to have that good plan. And then what a, what a contractor does is they start looking at what are the graded materials going into the house? Are you doing a, a low, low budget kitchen or bathroom model? Are you doing a high budget? What are the, what are the things that are going in? What are those pieces, right? So once you've kind of got those pieces as part of the plan figured out, then you start bringing in those subcontractors who are going to be doing the work. So what will happen is, is that designer and the homeowner will have met, they'll have put everything together and go, okay, here is a snapshot of what this is going to be. Then the next step is that contractor, and if it's a good contractor, they will bring in all those subcontractors to give a hard bid. So they'll bring in the drywall company that's doing the drywall, the electrician, the plumber, the insulating company, the heating and cooling, the roofer, siding windows, whatever this is, they bring those people in so they have a hard number. And that hard number now is going to be what defines that project estimate. Mm -hmm. And and when do they... It's just that simple. So once you get this number, how many... GC should you look at? How many estimates should you get? Should you get two? I mean, obviously it's like going to a doctor, right? You're not going to get one opinion. You should get multiple opinions. So how many should you do? And then how do you gauge it? And here's the thing. If you're paying for a contractor to do most of the work, you need to have that plan put together to your liking before you have that contractor look at it. Because what happens is, is let's say Caroline, you're going to do a kitchen remodel. Mm-hmm. And you had three different contractors come in and they have three different plans. There is no way to compare apples to oranges to mangoes of what you're doing here because everybody has a different thing. And you're trying to compare three different projects that there's no way to tell who's the real one because there's no baseline to study. So it sounds like really the best way to go is you need some type of designer to help you. I mean, when you're doing, let's talk, you know, you're doing a really big project like a kitchen or a bathroom. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you really need someone to kind of guide you. And that may cost you a little extra money, but in, if you think about it in the long run, it's going to help you really position these GCs so that you know which one to pick and that they are all giving you apples, not giving you something else and comparing it to an apple. That three, four, five, six thousand dollars or two thousand dollars you spend on that designer, mm-hmm. you are going to make that up on the back end in the efficiency of the project to make sure that you've got it dialed in correctly. It will save you money versus you going, Oh, I've remodeled a kitchen once before. I'm gonna do it myself. The problem is is that it takes designers out there, you know, five years after education to really be able to do a smooth project with a contractor or, you know, uh, a remodeler or whatever you're working with. So you want, you're buying that expertise on your project. Yeah. If I was doing that kitchen myself and I had construction skills and I didn't have design skills, I would still recommend paying a designer to help you through it, to make sure you get what you get. So how about someone who's got more experience like you? So we're talking to our, you know, and, and you know, this, it's like the, the person who, make shoes and then their shoes are holy, right? It's like, (laughs) yeah. so contractors, like we're the worst, like we won't work on our houses. Like, so, I mean, Eric's pretty good about it, but like, we'll put ourselves last. I mean, I'm always like that. I'm like, I'll get around to mine and I'm doing everybody else's. Right. And you're kind of, you know, by the time you get to your own house, you're kind of like, just, I get kind of just like, Oh my God, I don't want to do this. Even though I, I truly like Caroline. I just turned 50 years old last year. (laughs) And this year I did my first kitchen for me. See? Well, then it's the same. This is my first kitchen 
for me. I've done everybody else's. I've done rental homes that I've had in the past, all these other things. This is the first time that I said, nope, this is for me that I want to live in to make me, Julie, our family happy. happy. This is mine. It's really strange, people, but when you do this for a living, and I see this consecutively with like so many contractors I know, we put ourselves last. We put you first, believe it or not. Yeah. So, um, but like, let's take someone who has the experience. Okay. They've got some experience like you. What would you recommend, Eric? So like, if you're going to go pick out countertops, I mean, you can do that. It's not like you can't. So yeah, let's talk about that. Let's go out to break and we come back. Let's talk about where some of those good little pieces are that you can be involved in your process and save some money. Let's do that just as soon as around the house. Protect. Today's indoor air quality tip is brought to you by Pyramid Heating and Cooling and PyramidHeating.com. Gas and electric cooktops and ranges can add more indoor air pollution to your home than any other item. Your range hood needs to be correctly vented all the way outside of your home. Make sure it's not vented into the attic as that can create more mold and pollution issues. The recirculating hoods don't do a great job of removing those pollutants and moisture from your air. You want that all vented outside. When you're cooking, make sure you're using the hood to get all that bad air outside your kitchen. If you have a larger hood over 400 cubic feet per minute, make sure you have makeup air to replace that air. An open window can be helped, but there's nothing more efficient and helpful than a great functioning range hood. To thrive in the great indoors, visit PyramidHeating.com. Oregon CCB 59382. Make sure and tell them Eric G sent you because they work on my house. That's PyramidHeating.com. Hey, this is Ron Keel, the Metal Cowboy from Keel, the Ron Keel Band and Steeler. We are rocking around the house with Eric G. Raise your fist, make your stand. Welcome back to Around the House and with Eric G and Caroline B. We're trying to save you money today on that DIY or construction project. Caroline's sitting here. We're having a good time. Yeah, we always have a good time. Eric and I enjoy what we do just a little bit. And we like saving you guys some (laughs) coin in the process and helping you out. No kidding. No kidding. And, you know, when you're talking about taking on these projects, like we've been talking the last couple segments, you know, it's one of those things that a little bit of planning goes a long way. And we're going to hopefully get you a bunch of secrets today that really help you kind of take on that next project and maybe be able to hit your time and budget estimates to get you there. Right. Mm. And so we were talking going, when we came back out of the break, Eric and I always talk in studio and I was saying, you know, look, Eric, you have a lot of experience. What are some things you won't do yourself? <laughs> like what's something that Eric, I mean, Eric can do pretty much anything, but it's like what, you know, don't, you don't want to be so prideful that you think you can do everything well. And then you end up with a disaster in your own house. So. There are some things that you can do around the house that'll save you money. And there's some things to be honest, you can actually save money to hire it, to have it done. Great example. You will never see me unless I'm doing a TV segment, installing my own insulation. Mm. <laughs> because if I drive down to the home center and load up a truck and a trailer full of all the insulation I need to do an attic and I drive home and I put it in the attic and I haven't even started it. I just paid more for the insulation than I could have paid a check to somebody to come do it for me for free. Mm-hmm. I would have, it cost me more money to do that. Not counting my time. 
I can get an insulation project done by an insulation contractor cheaper than I can buy the materials. So why would I go take on that project? Because even the best project is miserable dealing with insulation. Yeah, no, it is. And you know, I, so why would you do that? It was funny. I was talking to my next door neighbor the other day. We had a, um, we had this moldy smell coming out in the street. It was really strange. So the whole street was smelling musty and the township had to come out and they were looking in the sewer and they were looking in the drains just to see what was going on. And she was out there and we were, we were joking. We're like, Oh, look, you really did a lot of renovation to your house since you moved in. Cause they bought the house from the next door neighbor. And she's like, yeah, he was a, he was a DIYer, but we found so many problems. He's like everything he thought he could do. And this guy was super nice, right? He was a super nice yeah. guy, but he thought he could do a project and everything he did was just kind of half, half baked. <laughs> yeah. Well, and here's the thing, here's the thing that gets interesting when you're talking projects like this, you know, like heating and cooling. Could I have put in my own heating and cooling system? Yeah. Technically. Cause I've done it before, but here's the difference. People will ask me all the time, Eric, what's the best heating and cooling brand? And I have my favorite. Don't get me wrong. I love my carrier unit that I have. And that's not just an endorsement. That's just what I like to have mm -hmm. in my house. I like them too. But to be honest, if I hired a the cheapest heating and cooling company to come put this system in, it would have been like me buying a really bad system because that quality of installation and sizing of the unit is probably more important than the brand of unit that you're putting in mm -hmm. because you can have the best high quality unit. And if you've got a messed up install, yes. doesn't matter. Not going to do it. This isn't like drywall where you're putting drywall up and then, yeah, you can always hire some artisan to come in and fix your horrible mess of doing installing the drywall that they'll come in and make it look good for you. If you don't have the right partnership there with the right company and the right product, you're in trouble. So always hire the people that are right for that because that can be kind of ugly. And also HVAC companies, just because someone has an HVAC company does not mean they size units right. It doesn't mean that, I mean, we see it all the time. You get oversized HVAC units. So they don't know enough about indoor air quality. So not all HVAC contractors are equal and you really need to research these people. And that's what makes it kind of challenging too. I mean, it's a lot for you to know and that's why we're providing you this information and trying to keep it simple. But a GC may hire people that they like, right? So you've got to make sure that GC, when you're hiring them, you like the people they're going to bring in because you could get stuck with someone mm -hmm. who you don't agree with. So I would want to know who's the electrician, who's the HVAC. That would be me. And they'd probably get annoyed with me, but that's the way I roll. Yeah. And that's why I brought in people that I knew, uh, you know, I knew personally that were going to do the job right. Mm -hmm. And and I felt good when my city inspector came out to, to give me the final on it. He goes, Wow this is the prettiest install I have seen in probably a decade. Nice. This is gorgeous. <laughs> and I'm like, sweet. He didn't have to say that, but that's cool. And I live in a nice area. So, I mean, there's, I'm the cheapest house in, in like a half mile. And he's saying that this is the best in my, I, I was pretty proud Eric of that. Eric and like, I get really worked up about how things look as an install. Like I've got an impeccable eye. So when I look at yeah. an HVAC install and Eric's the same way, it should look like art. I mean, your yep. ducks should be properly sized. They should be, there should be smooth transitions. Like it shouldn't look like a hodgepodge mess. And I've seen these messy systems go in and they just, sometimes they oh. work. Okay. And they're, and they, yeah. they, they do what they're supposed to do, but they look horrible. And to me, it's about both. It should be aesthetically pleasing to your eye and it should also work impeccably. So Eric and I are pretty picky about that. 
Exactly. Exactly. And so those are some of the things that you really should be careful with. You know, just like plumbing, I can't tell you, I'm on a bunch of different, you know, not only do we have our own, you know, around the house show here has our own closed group, which is around the house nation that you can be a part of, but I'm in a bunch of other different closed group, you know, home improvement groups out there. And I can't tell you the, the, the problems that I've seen over the last couple of weeks that are really just a hundred percent about having some really bad plumbing work done that either isn't going to work right or even worse is going to cause a problem down the road where you're going to see things just completely sideways. Mm -hmm. And plumbing is like, you have bad plumbing. It's like the bones, right? If you're, you break a bone, your body's not going. It's the same thing with your house. If you break a pipe, if you've got a faulty pipe, if you got water damage, that's like the, it's the skeleton of the house. Like I say, the HVAC is your heart and lungs of the house. Your plumbing is like your skeletal structure, right? It's your bones. If that's not done right. And just because you can go down to the home improvement store and buy some materials to put on your plumbing system, it doesn't mean that it's actually going to install on there correctly. That's another tip there too. So when in doubt, hire the plumber to come in and do the project right. If you notice, and and here's some tips for you guys out there. A lot of general contractors, do you see them bringing in a guy that works for them that's a plumber? No. They're not doing it themselves. Could they do it? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. They're bringing in a professional to get it done. And you know something, sometimes that's cheaper than you making a mistake and having to tear it out. Great example, like a shower. So you're going to be doing a shower project, let's say. Or even a toilet. How about a toilet? People think they can replace toilets all the time. That seal's not right. Now you got septic gas coming out. You got it leaking out the bottom of the toilet when you flush. If you don't mount it properly, your Mm -hmm. wax seal's not right. Yeah. Simple thing. There are things in there like in a shower. So you, you rough in your shower, you put in the, the valve and the spray arms and all the stuff in there. And then you're going to spend thousands of dollars tiling over the top of it. And then you realize you didn't do it right. Or you didn't test it. And now you got to tear it all back out again. Sometimes spending another, you know, thousand bucks to have a professional come out and do it beautifully for you is a little bit better off. And it makes your time seem worth more worthwhile because now you can be working on another part of the project. Well, a professional's out there knocking it out. You've got a warranty on. I don't want to see you do something that could have cost you a few hundred more bucks. But it, if it's wrong, it's going to cost you thousands to fix. Yeah. And water, you just don't want to mess around. I mean, it just can do too much damage. It's just, you know, that's yeah. just a fundamental. Absolutely. So that's an important one right there when you're dealing with that. And, and really, any of these things are important, but you have to come down on what are your skills personally. If this is going to be a DIY project and you're trying to come up with the numbers on it, you're trying to figure out how you're going to create that budget, know what you're good at and know what you're not so good at. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that you're not so good at, maybe it's, it's hard to learn on your first time to do it. Make sure that you're actually bringing in a, contra- a contractor to do that work for you. So that way you don't make those mistakes and end up paying more to have somebody come bail you out on in the end anyway. I can't tell you how many times that I've been to projects where I was working with a contractor as a designer and they're like, oh yeah, no, no, we decided we're going to do it ourselves. But it's a pride thing, Eric. I think like a lot of like, I see husbands, right. Or, or significant others, like they'll say, I can do that, honey. You know, I don't want to spend the money and I can go out and do it. Or the wife just thinks like the husband can do it. And then you don't realize how intricate it can get. And people are afraid to say, oh, I need to hire a professional. And I mean, I think that's a common problem. I think people think that 
they can just do it all. And you can't be an expert in anything. Eric and I have our, that's why we're together, right? There's certain things that I do really well. And there's certain things Eric does well and combining our forces makes us stronger. So it's the same thing with a a DIY project or a project in your house. Yeah, I mean, I brought in my buddy uh, who I grew up with and he helped on the tile in my house. He's a master tile setter. We'll have him on the show here in the coming weeks, but he's really good at it. Did I have him help? Yeah, because this dude's laid, you know, thousands of miles of tile in his life. (laughs) And I learned so much just watching him help me, Mm -hmm. right? And it it was really good education. And now a quick message from Indeed. Finding that perfect hire can feel like searching for a needle in a bottomless haystack of resumes. Indeed makes hiring fast and simple with a 135 skills test to help candidates prove that they have the experience that your job requires. Their powerful hiring platform even helps you schedule and conduct video interviews right on their site, which is probably why Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. To learn more about finding your next great hire, visit indeed.com credit. We'll be right back after these important messages. Hey, make sure you share our podcast here or the radio show with any friends or family because we want to help them with their home improvement projects. Carolyn and I will be right back just after these important messages. Welcome back to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B. We've been talking home improvement today and really trying to help you save some money on that project. And uh, Caroline, I've been talking here kind of during the break, and I wanted to bring this one up because this is a good one, right? About when do you pull that building permit and when do you think you should pull that building permit? Because yeah. people always get scared of that, right? That's the, well, a lot of people don't want to, right? They don't want the hang up, the headache. And so, Illegal things get done. Yes. Well, one of the problems that you run into, and this is something that I run into when people are buying a new house, a new house to them, maybe not a new construction house, but a new house to them. So let's say, Caroline, you go and you go, okay, this is my dream house. I love this place. I'm going to put an offer in on it. Mm -hmm. And this is where building permits can really burn you as a homeowner when you go to sell. Because let's say that you converted the attic into living space. Maybe there's a bedroom or a loft up there and you finished out the basement, right? And you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to put a a theater room in downstairs and everything else. So you look at this house and let's say that there's a thousand square feet on the entry level and you added, you know, 1800 square feet up, 800 square feet upstairs in the attic when you converted it. And you had a thousand square feet basement that you have. So you just took that house from a thousand square feet when you bought it and made it 2,800 square feet. Which happens all the time. Happens Mm -hmm. all the time. The problem is, is that when you go to list that and you call it 2,800 square feet, when you go to sell it, when you go to the building department and ask them how many square feet that house is, they still say it's a thousand square feet. Square feet. So this happens all the time where you'll buy this 1920s house and the porch was 
converted into the kitchen or an extension of the kitchen. The attic was built in. The basement was finished up. And you're paying a premium for a house that legally really isn't part of the house you own. Yep. And this is where it even gets worse. Because let's say that you bought this house and you're like, man, that bathroom upstairs is horrible. I'm going to remodel it. So I'm going to go pull a building permit. Mm-hmm. And this is a real story that happened to me as a designer. This happens every day. This happens yeah. all the time. So you go down you get a building permit. And this is what happened with a client. We've talked about it before and pulled a building permit. Building department goes, awesome, cool, good. Pulled the permit. Inspector comes over, walks upstairs and goes, ah, this was never a, a livable space. And now you have to bring that up to 2021 building code. There is no grandfathering in that. So now you've got to do that. So this is where you get caught when you're expanding square footage of your house. You need to always pull those building permits because really technically it's not being counted as square footage. When you go sell it, you might be able to to talk the realtor into listing it, but you have a huge liability for that because you didn't pull permits when you expanded the legal footprint of square footage. Now you might not know, Eric, though, you might close on the house and be down the road. And then you figure that out when you go to make a change, correct? True. And so what I always tell people when you're buying a house, talk to the county assessor or township assessor or city, the people that do the taxes, because they're the ones that want it. They'll tax you on that 2,800 square feet all day long. They want your freaking money. (laughs) <laughs> so they will say, hey, yep, that's 20. Cool. Yeah, we'll call it that. They want to get mm-hmm. the dollars. That doesn't mean you own it. So you want to also contact the building department and say, hey, I have a house on, uh, you know, one, two, three Birch Lane. <laughs> okay, nice. there's a house. How many square feet is it? Ask that question because that better line up with what's on the tax assessor role. Yeah. And what's on the listing. If it's not, you got a problem and you got to figure it out. hundred percent. I think that's great. And a lot of people rely on their realtors and I, I'm sorry to bash realtors, but a lot of realtors know nothing about building construction. They are basically flipper. You know, they just want to turn a house over new buyer, new seller. That's it. And so they will tell you things are okay. Oh, it's no big deal. You can fix this. It's not a problem. And you can really get stuck. And unfortunately I see so many people get stuck. And you don't want to be in that position. I will tell you what, this was funny. And I've got some really good realtors that are friends that are really good at their game. And then there was one I was at here, oh, probably four years ago. I walk into this basement and there is a crack in the foundation that I can slide my hand in through the crack. Like reach through, touch dirt. And there was a sign they put on the wall that said, non-structural issue there's nothing to worry about here. <laughs> what are you, you talking a about? Sign on the wall. <laughs> oh, it was a beautifully printed up sign. It was so hilarious. I took a picture of it. And if you go probably back over on around the house show on Facebook, you can find it. Cause I took a picture and posted it up and went on a rant about four years ago about it going, come on, you can't do that. But these are things when you're dealing with permits like that, you need to be very careful, especially if you're going to go sell the house. That is one of those things that I want you to do. If you go buy that house, do that research to figure out, to see if you're buying, because you're paying so much, like, let's say you're paying 200 bucks a square foot. You just spent a ton more, maybe three times the money for square foot because the other stuff doesn't count. 
Well, the problem is now the market's so hot that anybody who creates any kind of um, friction, right, to getting yep. the house sold, they're moving to someone who's in all cash, right, or doesn't oh, yeah. want to do inspections. And I can tell you this year, we have seen so many people wander into houses, just purchase them, and they've got mold issues. They've got had fires in the house. I mean, you've got to be really careful, people. Like, you cannot just purchase a house. I, I mean, I don't care who you are, even if you have the money and it doesn't matter to you, it's really behooves you to get inspections done. You, ha- I mean, I would never buy a house. I mean, I can walk into a house and pretty much assess it really quickly. And I've got sure. 20 years of experience and I still do an environmental inspection because you can't tell if you have a mold problem. You can see visible mold and you can say, okay, I think it's here, but you don't know the degree of it. You sure. can, a water test is completely necessary. I don't care if you have city water or you have a well, mm-hmm. you need to be testing your water source because once you get in, that's a very expensive chain on the change on the back end. And what Eric's telling you about permits, it's the same thing. You yep. need to make sure that that wasn't just done without there being actual legal um, backup for it. Absolutely. And like, I didn't want to spend the 450 bucks for my permits for my, my uh, heating and cooling system when I put it in a few months ago, but guess what? It needed to happen and I'm happy I did it, but it's just part of the cost of the process that you just have to put into it. And I get it. Always check with your local building department because you know something I could be, I could go a half mile down the road and the, and the, and it's a little bit different down there than it is here because mm. they're in the County and when I'm in the city. So know what your local codes are and what what they hold, they're going to hold you accountable for. And you can usually go on their website into a building department and find out what you need that permit for and what you don't, because it varies completely across the country. Yes. hundred percent. And that's a key right there. And if you're bringing out an electrician or a plumber, make sure they're pulling those permits as well. So that stuff gets covered. Many times those trades aren't taking care of that. Yep. Guess what, Caroline? We're out of time. Oh, it goes so fast. I'm Eric G. And I'm Caroline B. You've been listening to Around Around the the House. Hey, it's Eric G. from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand-molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.